0: Okay, alright, hey, hi, hello my creepy lovelies, welcome back to another Wednesday here on the creepy cryptid crypt. I'm going to tell you about a shitty human being who is called the acid bath murderer. Um, It did not play out like I thought it would while I was originally researching this topic, so. That being said, I have what I have, and I did promise you this episode, so here we go. John George High, Jingleheimer Schmidt, da-da-da-da, sorry. Um, John John George High was brought into the world, mistakenly apparently, on July 24th in 1909 at Stamford in Lincolnshire. And for those of you who don't know where that is, it's in England. He was then raised in the land of Outwood. Sounds weird. Which is somewhere in Yorkshire, also in England. Um, He came from a wicked fucking religious family, and his dad was a colliery foreman, which I had to Google because I didn't know what the fuck that was, but apparently it's someone who manages the safety on a coal mine site, which has to be one of the most stressful jobs based off of all of the movie and TV shows I have seen that have coal mine people in parts of the show and stuff, but anyway- um, John left school at the age of 17 and studied for a bit to be a motor engineer. Um, he didn't really like it that much. No surprise there, but, um, he left home, decided to get hitched because apparently that's what you do when you don't like your life, which I think is dumb. Sorry. Sorry. Ugh, sorry. Okay. Um, got married on July 6, 1934 to poor Betty Hammer. Um, he didn't want to work for anyone else. Sorry, I'm making a face like that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. So he decides to be his own boss, but because he didn't finish school to be a motor engineer and he didn't do any other school, his being his own boss was starting a business forging vehicle documents idiot he was obviously caught pretty quickly because idiot uh and he got sentenced to 15 months in jail in november of 1934 so um his wife had a baby while he was in jail and she was smart and put the baby up for adoption and then fucking divorced him smart smart lady so smart she didn't deserve that start off but smart um and his family didn't really like that he had A, been divorced, B, been in jail, and C, like had no, no real drive, no education. So he quickly became the black sheep of his family. Um, so when he got out, he started a dry cleaning business with a partner, which was successful until his business partner died in a car crash. So obviously the success success came from the business partner running things. And so obviously he did... You know what everybody does after their business fails he moved um so he ended up directly in london around 1936 and he got a job as a chauffeur to the mcswan family so now remember he does not like working for other people so we can assume that this is not going to go well um he worked directly for william mcswan Oh, I spelled that wrong. Sorry. Who was a a wealthy owner of arcades, which I thought was really cool. And um, on top of being the chauffeur, sometimes he would work on the arcade machines. And so after a while, he was like, all right, making honest money is really boring and I'm not making as much as I'd like as quickly as I can. So he pretended to be a solicitor, which is a lawyer over in the UK there, named William Cato Adamson. sorry, I'm the most intriguing of names, um, with offices in on Chancery Lane in London. Uh, this other stuff, I don't know what I wrote, but it's there. So as this William person, he sold fake stocks under the estates of his dead, quote, quote, clients at below market rates. And obviously he was caught because he couldn't spell the name of his business properly. He forgot the first D. So he was such an idiot. He was printing on somebody else's legal paper originally. But then he decided (laughs) started forging it and forgot the second D in the name of the company he was pretending to work for. fucking stupid dude Um, he got four years in prison for that for that fraudulent count Um, and he was released just after the start of World War II because of course they're like ah yes we need bodies release the non-violent ones Um, (laughs) he went back to prison for stealing less than a year after getting out so clearly he didn't get drafted which was a shame because he needed to be drafted and killed but I digress Um, At this point, it it was stated that he became annoyed. Um, That is in the wrong spot. He was tired of being a low-level criminal, right? He was getting annoyed with getting caught. And he became fascinated with this serial killer in France, who was uh, George Alexandre Serret who was murdering his victims for money and then dissolving their bodies in acid. So a bluebeard without getting married. It's a financial murderer, right? Um, so he became fascinated with him. He's like, all right, so this is, this is obviously how I get away with these crimes, right? I commit the crime, I kill the person that I committed the crime on and I'm fucking free and clear, right? Cool. So John gets out of jail again, becomes a salesman for a firm in Crowley, uh, a job that he managed to keep until 1944, apparently. And um, so we've got that. Other places say that he was an accountant at an engineering firm. I don't know who would have let him around any of that, but I also don't know if they did background checks back then, and if so, how they got their information. But anyway, oh, so... He, he stays free and clear until 1944, right? For the most part. He keeps that job. The summer of 1944, John runs into his old employer, Mr. McSwan, at a pub. They had a few drinks. Uh, Mr. McSwan introduces John to his parents, and he told John how he was making additional money collecting rents on his parents' properties. And so John obviously became jealous of his lifestyle and decided to lure William to 79 Gloucester, 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 sorry, road, uh, where John had a workshop. So he's like, Hey dude, come check out my workshop. I have this idea. I think you're going to love it. I need an investor. You're perfect. And William was like, dope. I'll be there. Let's go. They roll up to the workshop. Fucking John just smashes William in the brain, like on his skull, kills him, puts his body into a 40 gallon drum and fills it with sulfuric acid, like his hero. This French murderer, sorry, right? He's like, ah, yes, the perfect crime. He then went back to William's parents, who he had just recently met, and said that um, his their son had been drafted, and so he had helped him go into hiding to avoid being drafted. But he promised them he was okay. And like many of our financial serial killers, he went as far as sending letters posing as his victim. Um, And this went on until like July of 1945, and it only went on that far because he had to take time to kill William's parents, and then also put those bodies in giant astrums and fill them with sulfuric acid. And then, with all of the direct relations to the McSwan family dead, he pretended to be William and somehow was able to obtain control of all of their possessions and assets, which he then fucking sold and made four thousand pounds, which in dollars would be about one hundred eighty-three thousand dollars. Sorry, one hundred eighty-three thousand pounds, roughly today. So he made some bank off of whatever they did have, um, and so he he fucking you know run blows through that money in two years. And this is in like nineteen forty-five. Okay, that's a lot of money for nineteen fucking forty-five. Are you fucking kidding me? through it in two years what are you doing (sighs) so anyway we jump two years we're in 1947 he meets a couple with the last name of henderson during a property deal so at this point i can only assume that all he has left from the McSwains is property and he's selling it so he meets them after pretending to be interested in buying one of their properties um which is contradictory to what i just said and i apologize sorry I should really read my notes before I just go into saying what I think in my brain. John was said to be a gambler, and he was running out of money when he met the Hendersons, and so obviously after meeting them, he decided he had his next targets. Okay. Idiot. This man is an idiot um he had moved his workshop acid drums and all and rented a new one at 2 leopold road in crawley west sussex and then a year later on february 12 1948 john drove mr henderson to the workshop saying he said ah yes same ploy i have an invention i need help can you help me and mr henderson was like yeah sure awesome got you we of course know that that was a terrible idea uh, upon arrival, John shot Mr. Henderson in the head with a revolver, which was stolen from Mr. Henderson's own house. And then he went after Mrs. Henderson, claiming that her husband had fallen ill and that he needed her help to get him home and get him taken care of. When he got Mrs. Henderson to the workshop, he then shot and killed her. Fucking rude. Just fucking trash, people. Trash, trash, trash. Trash, John, you're Trash he disposed of both bodies in oil drums filled with acid, forged a letter from them, sold all of their possessions except their dog, which he kept, poor dog, and he made about 8,000 pounds, which is close to 216 pounds now. So you think he's good for a bit, right? It's 1947. He made it two years the last time unless... Nope, guess the gambling really got the fucking best of him. So by February of 1949 after he'd been living in the onslow court hotel in south kensington um he's out of money he's got to find a new victim right and he had been living there for about four years by 1949 so he'd been there since 1945 so he knows most people in the building or so you would think so one of the residents who lived at the Onslow court hotel was a lovely miss olive durand Um, she was 69 sorry durand deacon Yep. Olive Deacon. Sorry. She was a 16-year-old, 69-year-old widow who had lived at the hotel for six years. Super sweet lady, loved by all the residents. Everybody knew her. Um, John would often exchange hellos. And sometimes during mealtimes, they would sit together where he had told her that, you know, he was an inventor and an engineer. And so on February 14th, 1949, Olive had an idea. She's like, I have this, this fake nail design. Um, And I want to see if you can help me make it more marketable. He said, yeah, of course, like, let me think about it and I'll see what I can come back with. And he's like, fucking, this is great. She came to me. I don't even have to find my next victim. I've already got one. So February 18th, he he goes back to her and he says, yeah, I think I have some ideas on how to improve on your fake nail set. Um, Come with me to my workshop so I can show you the prototype that I've mocked up to kind of help you with this. Sorry. Um, he goes, they go to the workshop. He shoots her in the back of the head, uh, removes her fur coat and jewelry before dumping her body in acid because those are things that he can obviously sell, right? He then went back to the hotel and had a large dinner. Sorry, I got a text message so my wife is a little distracted. Words, things, stuff. Large dinner back in the hotel. Yes, and like I said, Olive was like well known at the hotel and well loved. So the following day, a bunch of guests were concerned about Olive because they hadn't seen her, and they were like, "John, you were the last person with her. Like, have you seen her? Like, is she okay? What's going on?" And they're kind of starting to like, you know, panic a little bit. She's a sixty-nine year old woman. She comes in, she comes out. She doesn't go very many places. She should be at the hotel, right? And so, you know. John said, oh, yeah, we had we had arranged a meeting, but she never showed up. And a lot of the other residents realized very quickly that this was not accurate to Olive's, you know, personality um, at all. And they, I guess a lot of people already didn't like John. So um, they asked the manager of the hotel if she had seen or heard anything weird. And she said, no, but I'm going to go to the police because this is off. Um, in another article I found her friend Constance reported her missing. So thankfully people were fucking paying attention. Unfortunately, John was like, oh yeah, I'll go with you to the police. Like I'll, I'll come help. I was, I was supposed to have a meeting with her. Like I take some responsibility. Like I'll come with you. And we all know serial killers insert themselves most times into investigations to a, make sure they're not caught. B, get off on not getting caught. And C, get off on reliving what they've done. Just fucking... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's upsetting as much as it is mind-boggling that that is a thing for humans. Um, Not that I consider serial killers or people who have killed people. Humans outside of you know self defense cases, but I digress. Um, so John and the manager of the hotel go to the cops, and the cops were already like suspicious of John. They're like, mm, we don't really know if we like this motherfucker. So after they took the initial report, they contacted Scotland Yard. They're like, we think we need help. Something, you know, something's off with this guy John. And Scotland Yard was like, oh yeah, John's got a fucking record, dude. He's a thief. He's like a fucking snake. He steals shit from people, like. You had a right, you were of the right mindset to have a bad feeling about this guy. He's not a good dude, right? And so the cops are starting to understand that John is indeed a suspect in this case. John goes back to the warehouse, not knowing that people are onto him and he empties the tank of the remaining materials, um, the olive drum tank, right? and he also takes all of jewels to horsham to have them appraised so he's trying to cover his tracks a little bit at this point uh police ended up meeting him back at the hotel and he gave them you know the same story he gave to everybody else who was at the hotel so the cops left and they were like i'm sure they were like after they left or when they got back to the precinct they were like Okay, that made a little bit of sense, but not a lot of sense. And she's still missing. And he was the last person to have seen her. And if he's a thief, like, obviously, she's a clear target. We have to go talk to him again. So they go back. And they're like, you know, can you tell us again what happened? And this time, he adds more detail to his story. The detail doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't add up. So the cops find out that they've got, he has a workshop. They're like, okay, so let's. This is our next best place to search. So they go to the workshop. They searched it. When they search the workshop, they find the following items. Are you done? Okay. They find a rubber apron, a gas mask, a dry cleaning receipt for Olive's fur coat, papers referring to the Hendersons and the Mixed Ones, and the gun he used. And I'm 98% sure the gun he used to kill them all was the gun that he got from the Hendersons that he also killed them with. So, he clearly didn't take enough time to get rid of enough of the evidence that he had. They've got him, he, that he's got fucking pieces of all of the victims at this point, like what a fucking idiot. So, at this point, they have a pathologist come out because they've got this sludge on the floor of the warehouse, right? So. It's just Thunder Rex. It's okay. The pathologist comes out and examines the sticky stuff they find, right? And it's just, it's like this sludge in the, where am I? In the warehouse and the alleyway. And um, he found that it contained human remains and three gallstones. So you've got items of the victims, you have human remains, and you have fucking gallstones. Like, okay, pick this guy up, right? So they go back to the hotel, excuse me, and they pick him up. And so the detective inspector who picked John up, Mr. Albert Webb, said that John had asked him, and I quote, tell me frankly, what are the chances of anyone being released from Broadmoor? Broadmoor is one of the jails out there. Um, Inspector Webb said he couldn't tell. I don't know. Because they're not part of that part of the process, like you're fucking stupid. You're so stupid. So then, after that, he just fucking confessed to killing all of the Hendersons, the McSwaines, and three others. Um, They believe that the three others may have been made up to allow for him to try and plead insanity. Um, Just want to put that in there. Uh, So there's that. He went on to say. Well, no body, so there's no murder. But then proceeded to tell the inspector that he drank his victims' blood, and that's why he killed them. Again, trying for the insanity plea. Trying real fucking hard at this point. Like, dude, are you serious? Oh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Sorry. So a week later, the pathologist who examined the workshop said he also found bloodstains on the walls of the workshop and the top of the acid drum. He was also able to locate a full set of dentures in the stuff that was dumped from the drum into the alleyway, which were then later identified as Olive's dentures. They were identified by her dentist. Um, So at this point, John is officially arrested and charged with, yep, Arrested and in the custody of the Horsham Police Department station. Station. That doesn't make sense. He was officially arrested and in custody at, there we go, the Horsham Police Station and charged with murder at the nearby courthouse. It would really help if I read my notes, right? Silly me. Um, Okay, so his defense team, again, like I said, he probably was going to with the I'm a vampire, la 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 bullshit. They tried to use the insanity defense. Thankfully, it didn't work. It only took the jury 17 minutes to sentence him to execution. Yay, jury. Good job. Um, he was subsequently hung on August 10th in 1949, which is good, because he can't kill anybody else, stupid motherfucker. Um, here is his confirm, confirm, confirmed victim list. Um, and the only reason that doesn't make any sense. Why did I put that note? I'm going to ignore that note. This is his confirmed victim list. So you have William McSwain, you have Donald McSwain, Amy McSwain, Archibald Henderson, Rosalie Henderson, and Olive. Those other three people were never confirmed. I don't have the names of those three people. I think that they were fake. So he's hanged, he's dead, it's gone. It's well over far a long time ago and thankfully those families got to see a little bit of justice for their loved ones because he was home so there you have it the acid bath murder of england which is not how i thought it was going to go i legitimately thought that he was like luring his victims and putting them in a bathtub and then filling it with acid which would have been more intriguing but more work and clearly he's a very lazy man so obviously not where we were going with that story i digress um i will upload what photos i can find sorry on the creepy cryptid podcast instagram uh please don't forget please don't forget to like follow subscribe tell your friends come hang out with me virtually through the radio or however you listen to my voice And there you have it. The shitty person known as John whatever. Because in my head I say that silly childhood rhyme, which is not right. Um, He's irrelevant anyway because he's a shitty human who murders people. So, there you have it. I will, I think I've said that like ten times by now. I apologize. I will speak to you all next Wednesday for an episode I haven't written yet. So, I don't know what it will be. It will be a surprise. Okay, goodbye.